calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm Essie Fleenor. I'm Sarah Century. And <laughs> I we... just realized. <laughs> Sarah's new here. Uh, <laughs> you've never heard her on this show before because why would you? We are a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women. So if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations, pop culture in general, conventions, cosplay, you name it, that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it. So <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot. T-C-H-E-S-O-N-C-O-M-I-C-S at gmail.com. And do you remember there's no I'm bitch? So, Sarah, I've been thinking a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I need to know the answer to one question. Oh, sure. Yeah. What? Is Love and Rockets the greatest comic of all time? Yes. Definitively. The greatest comic. Done. You can go home. Don't read any more comics. We're done. Bitches on Comics is now over. Closed. Shutters. Thank you for joining us. The end. Anyway, I think that Love and Rockets is the best comic. It is a comic I found a little bit later in life. We've talked about it a few times before and always with just the utmost of reverence. I think I had initially read Strangers in Paradise, which is kind of the light version of Love and Rockets. It's by a totally different creator, but it has kind of that same setup. It's the girls, oh, why can't they just see that they're in love? Like that plot line. Mm-hmm. Only instead of punk, it's more like 90s indie rock. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, it's like, it's a good comic. It's not as good as Love and Rockets, yeah. but it's pretty decent. There's, there's Heartbreak Soup. Uh-huh. And Palomar. Yes. And Locas. Yeah. So if we're trying to find Love and Rockets, Sarah, how do we find it? They have a lot of different volumes, and it can be a little bit confusing to get into the series. So I would say the easiest way is there's two collections. One is called Locas, and one is called Palomar. Both of those 
are by the Hernandez brothers. Locas is by Jaime. Palomar is by Gilbert. There are two different worlds, like kind of two different stories that yep. occur, actually many, many different stories within the single title. And then <laughs> it's like there's no way to not complicate Explaining so, Love and Rockets. Let me see if I'm getting it right. So Love and Rockets is sort of the big umbrella title. Mm-hmm. And all these things fall underneath it. Right. And the way Love and Rockets was originally published, you would have stories sort of intertwining. Yes. And so you'd go from maybe something that Jaime wrote, like Locus, mm-hmm. to something that Gilbert wrote. Within like, the same Palomar. issue. And it'd, it'd be like flip a page kind of situation. Yeah, and they go back and forth. But then they've recollected these Locas so and Palomar. One story all the way through. So when right. you're reading Palomar, you are just reading Gilbert's panels. Right. Through the story of Palomar. And then the same with Locus. Yes. And of course, those collections came out several years ago. So at this point, there's a lot of other things that you can buy to fill out your 11 Rockets collection. But Amazing. Yeah. No, they've been doing this forever. They started in, I think it was in 1980, the oh, first yeah. issue is. They also had done pamphlet zine versions of the comic before that. They self-published the mm-hmm. comic and then sent it to Fantagraphics to be reviewed, right? Right. For- and then Fantagraphics was like, what the fuck <laughs> here is money yeah we need to publish this yeah and it's really interesting too because the first collection is essentially sci-fi stories that are immediately stricken from right. the continuity record kind of but they do keep coming up again so you have luba who just has her hammer and is fighting sea monsters and then obviously maggie the mechanic who is you know in this complete sci-fi situation and then in the next situation, you have the whole setup changes, and this is just their regular lives. Right. And this is what it actually is. And then Luba has dreams of fighting sea monster Luba. Ooh, cute. I like that. Yeah. So it comes back around, but most of those things, they were kind of just dismissed as, oh, it was all a dream because we decided to go in a completely different direction. <laughs> and the direction that they decided to go in. It was all in, just a dream. I love that. Yeah. The whole beginning of the series. But the direction that they decide to go in is just kind of more of a soap opera element. You have all of these different characters that have different segments. They have overarching arcs that go over long periods of time. We see young versions of the characters. We see them when they're much older. We see a lot of characters come back around. We see characters do good things and bad things, and we feel equally forgiving towards them a lot of the time. There's a lot of humanitarian looks at people, even people who are doing really uncomfortable and bad things. And it's got this this incredible vein of magical realism Mm -hmm. that is just really beautifully executed, I feel like, in the comics. I I really love the way you never know if ghosts are real Mm -hmm. because, I mean, I'm like, yes, and I think someone else could read it and be like, no. Yeah. Because they're they're constantly like, you know, referencing them and then they'll even like show them Mm -hmm. and then it's like, or was that not there ever? Right. What would you say is one of your favorite Love and Rockets stories? Oh, I've read the collected... Palomar, Mm -hmm. because before today, I didn't realize how it was collected. I thought the brothers were working on it together, which they are, but in a different sense than I was thinking. Yeah, they have individual storylines. Right, 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 right. I love Palomar. I love the little boys in Palomar. One of my favorite stories, I think, I don't remember what it's called or how it starts, but the boys end up in the desert. And they run into some scientists. And so this brings back in the sci-fi element. Yeah. And it turns out the scientists are, like, running an experiment on Palomar. Right. And so then there's this kind of anthropological moment of, like, oh, God, the subject has figured us out. Mm -hmm. I guess we'll steal them. And they just, like, take the children into the the lab. Yeah. 
And it ends up, like, all being fine in the end because the moms get involved and, like, kick some ass. Fine is questionable, but I believe that that was originally collected as New Tales of Old Palomar. That's one of my favorite series. That's a three-issue series. I really like the art. I like how we've talked about this before, about how the panels, so often in comic books, it's about filling up your panel, or it Mm -hmm. has been. I think lots of people are doing cool stuff. And Gilbert Hernandez is one of them in, in Palomar, where there's a lot of these really zoomed out panels where there's this giant tree, but it looks really small because it's really creating the sense of space. And yeah. I've always found that really evocative of the part of North America where they're located and, and even like southern U.S. states mm-hmm. near New Mexico and Colorado. Right. I just think it really evokes that feeling of the openness of that region of the world. And obviously they're in Mexico. It really always spoke to me of like, my God, this is so... So beautiful. And how that contrasts, I think, with Jaime's work where he's in an urban environment for the most part. And so you see a lot of enclosed spaces. You see them in vans and them in small apartment rooms and things like that. Sometimes they go to shows, but there's a lot of people at the shows and they're crowded in. So just that stark stylistic difference between those two is always really entertaining, I think, to flip back and forth between. They're both actually really character-driven but the way that they set up panels is completely different. Totally. And I think that that's great. The one that you were talking about specifically, Old Tales of New Palomar, I believe it's the first issue, last issue. I don't quite remember. But they're revisiting older stories. And there's oh. the two characters, Fritz and Pipo, who both have had these pretty tragic and terrible romantic relationships and things like that. And they hook up and have what I would consider to be one of the most unhealthy but most likable relationships that exists in this, you know, fairly convoluted series in which people have very bumpy relationships a lot of the time. And this is them whenever they're first interacting and you just see people be so into Fritz and Fritz be just very hurt and sad by her life, essentially. And there's a scene where Pipo is not wearing enough clothes. There's a clothes thing the sheriff imposes that they wear certain, like, has to be knee-length skirts and all of that kind of stuff. But they have this moment where Cello is like, you know what, you're still going to get fined for that outfit, Pipo. And Pipo looks over at Fritz and is like, some things are just worth it. And then Uh. walks over and shows Fritz these birds that are flying in the far above sky and the way that he does them are just the squiggly line of Uh. birds. So you just have all of these squiggly line birds up in the corner of a panel and then a lot of space. And then these two women who have this absolutely tragic, devastating relationship, but this is like their peaceful, beautiful beginning. Mm -hmm. And it is so heartbreaking. And he just throws it out there. (laughs) Like these guys just throw things out at you where you're just like, that is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever read. Then you go five pages later and you're like, I stand corrected. (laughs) That was actually the most heartbreaking thing I've ever read. And it's emotionally torturous in a great, pleasant way. And it's so funny. It's so funny. It's so funny. I love that people do things that are so people. Yeah. The punk thing. I was totally a punk kid. I grew up in all of these weird party situations and I just related to those parts of it really hard where, oh my God, I'm in a van. I don't have a place to live right now. I don't have a place to stay. I'm like poor punk kid that nobody wants to deal with. And I don't have my life together and like that kind of stuff. That always is under focus. I was going to say one of my favorite stories is Flies on the Ceiling, which has the writer Izzy, who struggles with mental illness, but as you say, with the magical realism, this is in Jaime's collection, Locas, 
she ends up believing that Satan is trailing her throughout her entire life, pretty much. There's multiple times that we see Satan trailing her, and we don't know if it's through her eyes only or not. But then at some point, Maggie, who has always tried to be friends with Izzy, and Izzy is a very difficult person to be friends with, right? She ends up seeing, you know, a Satan dog, essentially, and seeing all of this creepy, weird stuff that's happening So we never know for sure if it's her mind that's doing it or if it's the actual narrative. Izzy goes missing all of a sudden. After that, I haven't seen her since in the comics. She might have popped up by now. It's hard for me to tell. Sometimes there's a gap between when you get a Love and Rockets comic and when you get the next one. But overall, it's just been 30 plus years of brilliant storytelling. And every time somebody says Love and Rockets is the best or it's a great comic, it's a great book, I just feel like no matter almost what you say, you're still selling it short a little bit because this is by POC, has this really interesting angle on the world from multiple places. You have at least two brothers working on it, sometimes Mario scripts as well. They all have very unique perspectives on life and the stories that they tell. But every single one of these stories will just rip your heart out and give it back to you in a different form. <laughs> well, it's so interesting. I think that you took a lot from the Locus. And I, not that you didn't also take a lot from Palomar, but for me, Palomar, Palomar was, was everything. You know? I was like, I think that I liked both of them mm. a lot. But Palomar, if I had to choose one as my favorite, it'd have to be Palomar because that's the one that I keep getting tattoos of. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that it has to be that one. I love the Locus stories and I love Maggie and Hopi and they're mm-hmm. completely dysfunctional and completely relatable, beautiful, long-term relationships relationship Mm -hmm. and the relationships that they have with other people because they can't quite make it work with each other. All of that is incredibly endearing. And I love those comics. They're great. And so many funny moments in those. Gilbert has funny moments too, but they're never too far from tragedy. No, I I think that when you laugh in Palomar, it's like with tears in your eyes. Totally. And I loved Palomar because there was so much about living in a small town Mm. that is rendered so saliently. Like it reminded me so much of how I grew up and where I grew up, where everyone knew everything. Mm-hmm. You don't have secrets. When you try to have secrets, then somebody finds out and tells someone and tells someone that tells someone that tells someone that tells someone that tells, you know, right. it gets back. And I think Palomar is just such an interesting place. And the people, like Palomar's alive. The people are alive. I think the people are also distinct. It's a matriarchy. <laughs> it's a matriarchy. Like, I just love the sheriff in the long skirt, just like big woman, just worked up a lot, like a mm-hmm. lot of furrowed brow and like, what am I going to do with all these people? And it's mm-hmm. just such a sweet and devastating depiction of, you know, Palomar. Yeah. Her whole story too is just this long, tragic, brilliant story. It's like every one of these characters have had time to be fleshed out at least a little bit. Yeah. So even though you're dealing with this massive cast, after you've read enough of the comics, you start to just be like, wow, this is intertwined in a way that is soap opera-esque, but there's like 30 people working on soap operas to bring those scripts around, right? And this is just two people who are doing totally different things. It's really remarkable. I think it has some of the tightest continuity. It does, and it's kind of shocking because it's there's all so much over the place. Yeah. And also yeah. there's a lot of times where they're just like, it's magic. Did it really happen? Who knows? And yeah, then it's like, like, that makes it easier. Right. <laughs> oh, all those stories, those are just a dream. Or whenever Gilbert Hernandez starts doing these book releases that were just movies out of his universe. So he's like, these are the movies that Fritz starred in. And so you can read a book that's a movie what? in this universe. I love that. It's incredible. Like some of the meta stuff that Gilbert gets into is fascinating. I think that whenever it comes to these kind of interesting interpersonal relationships that 
have big communities behind them and, you know, how our behavior works. That's a Jaime thing, 100%. And then you see that with Gilbert, but it's also very personal, a lot of, like, one-on-one stuff. And his whole thing of just being kind of like, here's this universe that somehow makes sense, and here's the movies from that universe and different books, but I'm not totally going to explain it, that that's what's happening. Yeah, the world building is so rich. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, like, I was surprised to hear that. And then I was like, of course, of course he would write the movies because they all exist in his mind, you know? Like, that world is real. Palomar yeah. is like a place. I love whenever a writer, and this is like whether in comics or not, lets a place or a thing become a character. Mm-hmm. And the town of Palomar really is a character in just, like a, I think, a really cool way. Yeah, I think so, too. They, they're they just great. It's just the best comic if you read one story and you don't get it, just stay tuned because it reading. comes together in the best way that you could imagine. Well, I think that that's, a, that's such a great point. I'm really glad you said that because the reality is it's almost impossible to start at a place where everything will make sense. Yeah. But that's not only because they've been coming out for 30 years, but because the stories are so rich and well so many thought characters. out. And there's so many characters. And so you always start in media res. Like mm-hmm. you don't get backstory. Yeah, even if you start with one, that doesn't give you an idea of what's about to happen because it's in a made-up dream world. There's no baby Deadpool at the beginning recapping things (laughs) for you, right? Like, you're just going in and, like, experiencing their worlds. Uh And I think that you have to just sort of be ready and just say, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to learn these people. And I think depending on where you start, you get a really different experience of the comic because you and I started in very different places. Yeah, one of my first ones that I read was the story Mousetrap, which is essentially just a story of two young girls being abused by their mother. And it is so brutal, so unbelievably brutal. And I was reading it having no true idea of where or why or how that would fit into an ongoing story. It's towards the end of the original run. It just is something that humanizes these characters, but I wouldn't have known that because it was my first introduction to them. That is a wild place to start. Yeah, but that's it. Every single one of them is. If you're picking up especially the play-by-play issues, those issues are really entertaining to read, but they're always in the middle of a bunch of stuff. Because it starts in the middle of a bunch of stuff, chances are it's going to end in the middle of a bunch of stuff, you know? Because that's life. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a nice, neat beginning or end, you know? Yes, and if you want to check out more reading around Love and Rockets, there is the Love and Rockets Companion, which has a bunch of interviews with them. They just talk about it. It has character guides. It's really useful. I did an interview with Gilbert Hernandez for Comics MNT that if you just want to hear me get deep divey about Palomar stuff, essentially, because I was supposed to be talking about meta characters, and then that just ended up being like the deepest deep dive, pretty much, and me being like, well, what do you think about this character that you created? And all of that stuff. I think that that's probably a good place, but it's it's for people who've read <laughs> the series probably. For sure, for sure. But those are outside reading that's been done about the series that kind of puts it in a little bit better of context. But yeah, it's uh, it's great. Just start somewhere, you know? Pick it and up, go for it. If you don't like it, keep turning the page. <laughs> You're going to find somewhere you do. Yeah, I agree. Best comic ever! This week's comic of the week is Dazzler number 13, which is written by Danny Fingeroth, 
Penciled by Frank Springer, inked by Vince Coletta, colored by Don Warfield, lettered by Janice Chang, and edited by good old Jim Shooter. So <laughs> good old Jim. The person we all have varying emotions about. So this comic <laughs> is great. So good. <laughs> so good. So this comic, it came out a long, long time ago. It came out in March 1982. One I was year, not alive. One year later, little baby Sarah would be born in Adorable. March 83. So this really preempted me. <laughs> I'm like, this is like, there's no universe in which you existed in which this comic does not predate you. Yeah. And this comic, I feel like, explains who you are. Yeah. I mean, this comic is why I'm gay for sure. <laughs> um <laughs> I love it. Uh, so there is some things happening. Um, you seem to understand the plot slightly okay. better yes. than I so, do. <laughs> I'm just here for vibes. <laughs> I'm just here for mood. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, that feels like a, a fair division of labor. Uh, I I meant that genuinely. Uh, so Dazzler is accused of a crime that she kind of commits. She committed she, moita. She moited someone who was trying to moita her. And the way she moited him was just by absorbing him mm-hmm. because of like her mutant powers. I'm like, I'm like, what is it that she is? And You're doing we... a hand wave, yeah. which is essentially oh. how we describe mutant powers yes, in this exactly. time period mm-hmm. is just... Just a mm, uh, wave, 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 wave. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. Um, and, and you know, she does wave her hands a lot when she uses her powers. So yes. it makes sense. So she gets accused of this crime, obviously, that she did commit. And she has to go before a courtroom, obviously, <laughs> to defend herself. And she's like, I didn't kill anyone. And I was like, yes, you did. And she said, well, okay, yeah, I killed someone. But, like, I didn't, like, murder someone. I'm like, yeah. well, uh, what's the difference? And she's like, well, I couldn't help it. And they're like, are you telling me you can't help but absorb, but I've seen you use it at your disco shows? Yeah, mutant menace, <laughs> all of that. Exactly. And so she goes on trial. Yeah. And, and she's tried by a bunch of racists who like, oh yes. are just not down with mutants. No, it's not good. She gets accused on like one day and they're like, oh, tomorrow we'll have your court case. Yeah. No problem. And, and you're like, going to Rikers. <laughs> and they're like, oh, but there's nowhere that can hold mutants. Except Rikers, apparently. So they sent her to Rikers. Okay, but before that, she had her boring date where they both ended up crying. Yeah, with Paul, who she loves, you know? She loves Paul. None of us remember Paul. We know nothing about Paul. He has a blue suit. Super women loving basic ass men is like a running theme in comics. Particularly at Marvel during this time. Like, like the most basic dudes, and they're always disappointed in the woman for being so cool. And it's always very rough to read. And what do they call it? They call it self insert. Like, yeah. so often it's like the author being like, if I was dating Dazzler, Good God. this is what I'd tell her. Yeah, that's so, so desperately. Like, the first run of She-Hulk in its entirety oh, is yeah. people being like, if I dated She-Hulk, then I'd be supportive, but I'd lay down the law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, ooh, I hate reading this <laughs> so much. But I feel like if you were to be like, if I dated Dazzler, this is how I'd treat her, that would be a comic I'd want to read, Sarah. Because I would respect her you as a person. So right. and I wouldn't be completely yeah I would I would treat you right dazzler like just <laughs> in case you're on the lookout um I'm back on tinder hit me up uh so <laughs> dazzler ends up going to Rikers the only prison that exists and 
She does so in a belly shirt. Oh and- my god, it's the most amazing. It's like when you watch a science fiction movie and they're like, everyone goes to prison. And it's like, oh, but those outfits look amazing. Yeah. Like, I would wear that on the street. She looks incredible. She has a belly shirt and then just like these really comfortable looking pants. And yeah, she's barefoot. lots of cleavage. She goes to fall asleep and then <laughs> the way that she wakes up, the grapplers. Oh, the grapplers. So the grapplers are a super team that has almost no reason for existing. No, they, they literally are in the circus? They were in the circus. Now oh, they're, they're wrestlers. Rikers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're wrestlers. They're wrestlers. Wow. I'd go to that show. I, and yeah. they end up in prison for whatever reason. Um so Dazzler wakes up with Pound Cakes, who is one of my favorites. <laughs> Pound and Pound Cake says, Rise and shine, sugar pie, nap time's over. And then I believe that it's Screaming Mimi says, Get out of that bunk. You're coming with us. She goes, Who are you? What do you want? What's going on? <laughs> Can the questions, doll face? When the grapplers tell you to move, you move. Let's go. <laughs> and she's like, No. it's amazing it is i i when i first saw sarah today about dazzler i said (laughs) oh my god it's so sexual because i did not realize how horny this novel this uh, issue is oh yeah and we should also know it's just one issue out of the dazzler series the dazzler series is not even on marvel unlimited this is part of our plea to get it on marvel unlimited because this series is great so Pound Cake starts just dragging her. And then there's Screaming Mimi, who later on becomes Songbird in the Thunderbolts. And she's a really, oh my God, really amazing character. Um, she gets so interesting. I love her as Screaming Mimi. She just oh, yeah. has ridiculous hair. <laughs> and like, yeah, Oh, yeah. Amazing. No, she's amazing. So Pound Cake says, keep your trap shut. We'll <laughs> keep out of you and we'll snap you like a wishbone. And then this other lady says, besides, you'll need your strength. For your initiation. And Dazzler's like, well, what? (laughs) She's like, wait, my ears are perked now. And then my favorite screaming Mimi quote, pound cakes told you to shut up. So shut up. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. So then their their initiation is to throw Dazzler on the floor in front of a woman who is on a table. She's sitting in a chair that is on a table. (laughs) So these are the people who like rule the prison after dark. Yeah. They're like, during the day. Day, it belongs to the guards, but at night, this prison is WrestleMania. Oh, wow. And then one is like, I've got roaches in my cell tougher than she. And then this other oh. one says, but she is cute, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Hello. Like, mm, yes, yes, I love this comic. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. So Titania is the person who's sitting on the table. Yes, Titania is like, everybody kneel down. I am the dumb. I am in control here. <laughs> so Pound Cakes like, just starts pulling her hair. Um <laughs> Pulling uh, Dazzler's hair? Yeah, she just starts pulling Dazzler's hair and, like, slapping her in the face and stuff. And I'm just like, damn. And (laughs) (laughs) so then they get in this fight and they're, like, battling. And they're like, go cry to your daddy. And she's like, I haven't cried to my daddy in a long time. (laughs) And then, like, they trade some, like, shitty remarks. And Dazzler goes, girl, now. And and dancers can kick. (laughs) And then kicks, I think, uh, pound cakes in the face. (laughs) Yeah, her ability to kick people in the face, which is her secondary mutant power (laughs) it's her secondary mutation right there kicks my only weakness 
Want to trade punches? Cream puff? Fine with me, says Pound Cakes. Oh, my God. It's just so queer. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. And then the screaming Mimi pops her, like, she has this, like, really unbelievable stance. Like, she's about... Okay, so let me describe this scene. <laughs> Dazzler is on her stomach with, like, her butt a little bit in the air. Screaming Mimi is literally standing over her, like, ready to, like, drop on her. And I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> And then Screaming Mimi is like, hold it. You three have been having all the fun. <laughs> Let me finish her with the Screaming Mimi special. And it's like, that is a whole different thing than I thought you could put in comic books. Uh, and then they just scream at each other. That's all. But in my mind, <laughs> it goes a different direction. Yeah. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. So then like, like, like <laughs> the guards come in. Yeah, guards show up, whatever. Who and then cares? she it's goes back over. to... She finished her off with the Screaming Mimi special, so it's all over now. Everyone is satisfied and can go back to their posts. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then she goes back to the trial the next day. Right. And her lawyer is like, all right, well, <laughs> here's some things you should know. Who among you is a peer of this one? And they're all like, fuck, what do you mean? He's like, can you shoot light? And everyone's like, shit, no, I can't. Can you? No, you can't. And he's like, well, then who has any right to judge her? How do you know what limits she has? It's like really actually kind of amazing. Uh, Yeah, it's definitely them being kind of like, there is no jury of her peers, essentially, which was a Black Panther platform back in the day. So it was basically like, you can't keep putting like black people on trial because uh, we're all in front of white juries. So this is like the mutant version of that, like 20 years later. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So it's very interesting. And then like the the jury goes out and comes back and it's like, not guilty. Not guilty. And And Dazzler like hugs her lawyer and then like the, and he kisses her, I think. Yeah. weird. She's like, creep. And she's like, oh. And then the prosecutor comes over and is like, I believed in you. It's like so weird. It's so weird too because in my head canon is Dazzler being like, I could go back for another you know, night. I have plans tonight on Rikers, so if you could just yeah. this this issue exists for no reason. There is no. nothing to tie it to past or future issues. Do you ever see the grapplers again outside of Songbird? Yeah, you do. Um, but like, you know, not much. Titania, of course, is like a fairly recurring villain. Well, what about good old pound cakes? I think that pound cakes does show up again later, and I don't remember exactly where, but I do know that none of these characters are done, but they are not very it's not like a grapplers comic, which is too bad. Marvel, hit, hit us up. Why you. won't you like just let us write the grapplers comic? Because I would write the shit out of this comic. This comic is so sensual. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's everything I think I ever needed out of a comic. Because I read this as a kid, and then I grew up, <laughs> and yeah. I read it again, and was like, "Well, that really." connects a lot of dots for me. <laughs> well, and something that stood out to me is like the cover fems everybody up pretty intensely. Yeah. It makes them all look pretty like girly or whatever. Oh yeah. And then inside the comic they're all like shaved heads. Yeah. Like, it's 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 enjoyable. <laughs> I just keep thinking about I'm gonna finish her off with the screaming Mimi special. That's like the dirtiest thing I've ever it's heard. Literally like <laughs> That's like pillow talk. Like, that's something that, like, people say to you after hours for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
anyway, read this comic. Get this comic on Marvel Unlimited. The people deserve to know. <laughs> As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch. And organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. So it's 2020, Sarah. Oh. <laughs> Have you not been looking at a calendar? Okay. Uh, dear God, I'm still writing 2019 on my checks. Oh, what checks? <laughs> That's a great question. Where are they? <laughs> okay. They're left over from 2019. If I ever see them, I'm going to hang on for dear life. <laughs> so for the podcast, not your personal. Oh, is that what you want to talk life. about? <laughs> what are some of your goals? Like, what are some of the things we've talked about, or something that you're really excited about that we're trying to do this year? Okay, so through the podcast, one of the things that is really important to me is is that we emphasize accessibility. Absolutely. And so if you see us do any kind of live performance or anything like that, we really want to always make sure that every person is able to get to that performance. So we want to make sure 
we're doing everything that we can to make ourselves available. One of the things that we're planning on starting to do <laughs> very soon is transcribing all of our episodes so that they're read-friendly. So if there's any reason that you can't listen to the podcast, you'll be able to read transcripts of it. So that's something that's really important. It's also extremely time-consuming, but we really want to do it. So that's one of my biggest goals is just to start going through all of the old episodes now that we're on, what, like almost 20 and Wild. just kind of, yeah, wow. Whew, what a year this five days of this year have been. <laughs> <laughs> but, what a year indeed. <laughs> but that is one of the most important things in the world. So we're going to start doing that. I think that's going to be awesome. I'm super excited for it. Another thing that we're trying to do is really continue to build up our Patreon. I don't know if everybody's aware, but we have a Patreon for the podcast. If you can't afford to support us, please don't feel guilty. That's the whole point of the podcast. We're yeah. here to be accessible for everyone. We love you. We love you. We appreciate you. Send us questions. Send us your comics. Tweet at us. We love gifts. We love you. But, you know, if you do have some extra dollars or if you're already a patron of someone else and you think you could add $2, $20, whatever it is, anywhere in there, we have a really cool program set up with tiers of benefits that you'll get. We're really excited about it. We're working really hard on that. And that includes things like a welcome packet, which we'll be mailing out in probably February or March. March of this year for everybody who's become a patron up to that point. We've got monthly reading lists. So that's like a best of of the comics we have mentioned that month in the podcast. So we would 10 to 15, probably on the 10 side of things, but sometimes I can't decide. And so much more. We're going to be doing special mini episodes where we talk about important films or TV that have come out or important maybe means hilarious or sexy. <laughs> you know, who knows? We'll just be deciding that. We um, want more guests. We want to have just kind of a bigger platform, I guess, as far as just being able to put so, so many, you know, everybody wants to hear what our thoughts on Stumptown are. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> everybody wants to know about our crush on Stumptown. Oh my God. <laughs> That's going to be a good one, folks. And you're only going to get it if you're a patron. <laughs> yeah. So we want to have more of that. And I think also we're really trying to work towards being able to put out articles and things like that through this website because both of us are freelancers and we do a lot of pitching and things like that. But that means that sometimes you really have to narrow your scope to be something that people are buying. And I would like to just be able to write a little bit more of the comic criticism that I just genuinely feel and want to write. And if you are like a listener and you've never read any of Sarah's articles, like I'm so excited for what's about to happen for you. <laughs> like Sarah writes some of the most incredible comics criticism again, because she's been reading them for 30 years. <laughs> I also write about comics. Um, I just don't have the same... We're very different. I think that that's what's cool. It's like we bring very different things to this podcast, obviously, but we also do our writing styles are different, our topics are different, but we're always in conversation, whether it's like texting each other, like panels and being like, wait, is this who I think it is? Or like, <laughs> oh my God, did you see that? Yeah. And it's exciting to think about writing things that we know matter. The truth is it is not a very friendly world for LGBTQ creators. It is not a very friendly world for LGBTQ subjects. It is hard to place articles about comics and queer comics in particular, or how comics deal with different things that are what we would consider to be queer issues. And even through sites that are pro-queer, exactly. yeah, there's a, still a, a pretty big cap on that, I'd say. So we would love to be able to do something that isn't hindered by the market, so mm -hmm. to speak. And unfortunately, the way we do that is by having people support the podcast and support our Patreon. Yeah. So if you've gotten a couple extra bones, or even if you just want to check it out and see what the deal is, please like come join us. We're at patreon.com slash bitches on comics. You have to type it out because we are not searchable because we do 18 plus content because we say things like fuck. <laughs> 
things like fuck. <laughs> <laughs>